Thank you, BCA, for your faithful involvement in supporting missions and all the various projects that we hear about week in and week out, month in and month out. We appreciate all that you are doing to help support global missions around the world. It means the world to uh, us as a church, and certainly it's part of the great commission of Jesus Christ. Well, Today we kick off a brand new series, Say Yes to God's Call in Your Life. And I want to encourage you to just take a moment and think about how you're going to spend the next 40 days. Because I want to challenge you for the next 40 days to say yes to God's call on your life and to think about the ways you're saying no to Jesus instead of saying yes. I mean, the average person lives a little over 78 uh, years, according to uh, recent statistics. That's 28,778 days. Don't you think it would be wise to take just 40 days just 40 days of the 28,778, and think deeply about God's call on your life, God's call on my life. And I want you to do that with me over these next 40 days. C.S. Lewis says, if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you're embarking on something which will take the whole of you. It'll take all of you. Are you giving your all to Jesus Are you serving him with all of you, or are you holding back in one way or another? Are there places in your life where you're saying no to Jesus, where he wants you to say yes? Many Christians have this kind of fast food mentality when it comes to Christianity, kind of a convenience store, microwave, you know, I can kind of fly through this and and it'll all be great. If we're going to live, love, and lead like Jesus, it is going to be holistic. It's going to take all of us. It is going to be something that is all-consuming. Bible words are not fast food, microwave, convenience store. It's more like ownership. It's more like discipleship. These are the words we see in the New Testament. It's more like words like obedience. It's words like surrender. It's words like commitment. These are the words that Jesus is asking us to just really totally internalize. The Bible says that we're all called. Paul says we're called to be his holy people. A lot of people think of of being called as something that only happens to pastors or missionaries. But actually, every person is called into fellowship with his son. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God has called you into fellowship with his son. I shared a devotional on my Facebook page. If you're not following me on Facebook, I invite you to join me for a daily devotional each day. Uh, and I shared a little bit from 2 Peter 1.10, where it says, my brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling. Say yes to God's call on your life. I'm going to invite the ushers to come down and place in your hand a little bookmark. Because over the course of these next uh, five Sundays, I want us to take a look at what it means to live our faith in 3D. And, uh, you know, we can look at things linear or we can look at things in 3D and we understand what that means. But 3D, for our purposes, uh, stands for deliberate discipleship decisions. I believe this, decisions determine direction and direction determines destiny and We get to where we need to go based on the decisions we make. And I want us to take a look at 12 different decisions that I believe the Bible encourages us to make as we say yes to Jesus Christ literally in every area of our life. 
And I want us to take a look at these over the course of the next five weeks. Obviously, uh, we'll look at one every week. We're not going to get to all 12, but I want to give these to you. They're scripture verses to study, scripture verses to memorize, and we're going to look at the first one here in just a little bit. But let me just kind of walk through this. You know, grace, that's what we're going to talk about today. Will I completely trust and follow Jesus Christ? Gather. Will I faithfully gather and attend worship each week? If you're on a business trip or if you're on vacation, you can still jump on online or you can catch out the message later in the week. I want to encourage you to make a commitment to devote yourself to to weekly worship. And as Adam mentioned, we've got a brand new worship schedule coming up here on the 11th and uh, really excited about uh, the brand new service starting at 9 o'clock, communion every week. It's going to be very, very special. And then uh, grow in groups. Out at the table, you'll find all sorts of uh, groups and uh, classes that we're starting. I want to just kind of plug one of those classes, and that is a class that I wrote many, many years ago, and I'm going to be teaching again starting on uh, September 14th. It's our basic Christian beliefs class. If you've never taken I invite you to come. If uh, you're new to Christ, I invite you to come. If you know someone who's new to Christ, bring them with you. Someone maybe who wants to kick the tires of the Christian faith, bring them with you. If you're a parent with kids and want to learn how to disciple your children, come and I will teach you how to disciple your kids in the basics of the Christian faith. That's just one of many, many different classes that I want to encourage you to dive into as, uh, as you seek to, to grow in your faith. Will I read my Bible and pray and fast each week? That's grow. And will I build community by leading and joining a small group, doing life together? And then gifts. Will I use my spiritual gifts to serve other people? You know, God has given you and me gifts to use to invest in blessing other people. He doesn't want to just sit on the sideline. He wants us to engage in using those gifts. And then giving. Will I give the first 10% of my income to the Lord's work? Going. Will I share my Jesus story and invite others to come and join me in worship? Godliness. Will I forsake sin, recognize his lordship, and live a life of obedience? Really excited to share on that topic as we, as we live a godly life and serve him with all that's within us. Generosity, will I move towards sacrificial giving of my time, talent, treasure? Grief, will I overcome pain and problems in the power of Christ? Probably won't hit that topic this month, but we're going to hit it next month in great detail. Gratitude, will I live with an attitude of gratitude, not just on Thanksgiving, but all through the year? And then glorify. Will I make glorifying Jesus Christ the number one aim and priority of my life? You see, friends, if our number one aim and priority is to bring glory to Jesus Christ, that impacts every area of our life. But is that a deliberate discipleship decision? How about the other 11? You know, where do I stand? Am I saying yes to Jesus in all 12 of these areas? These are specific teachings that Jesus gives us, and we read them throughout Scripture. Where am I saying no? Where do I see need to say yes? Obedience is at the core of discipleship. And being a disciple, a learner, a follower is what it means to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's Lord. He's king. I'm his servant. That's the right order of things, not the other way around. Am I a fully devoted disciple of Christ? Well, today I want to take a look at 3D number one, grace. Say yes by completely trusting and following Christ. I want to encourage you, if you've not done so already, to memorize Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Powerful scripture. I want us to think about it a bit today. What is grace? I like what somebody once said. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a good basic definition of grace. God's riches, the blessings of God because of what Christ paid for on the cross. Someone, other, uh, someone else would say, grace is unmerited favor. That's good too. Grace is unmerited favor. I don't, I don't, I don't deserve it, but, but grace is unmerited favor. I like the juxtaposition of mercy and grace because I think they kind of help explain each other. Mercy is when I don't get what I deserve, like wrath, punishment, uh, condemnation. Grace is getting what I don't deserve, God's forgiveness, God's love, God's compassion, grace. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see Paul in many of his letters, either in the introduction or in the conclusion, say, grace and peace, grace and peace, in that order. And you can look at it and say, well, that's just kind of the way he talks. I think it's deeper than that. I think we cannot have perfect peace unless we understand and appreciate his grace. Because of his grace, I can enjoy peace. Let's look at what we need to know about God's grace. Let's jump back to Ephesians chapter 2, which we quoted from just a moment ago. Point number one that I need to know about God's grace. My sin problem places me in a hopeless position. Can you say dead end? Say it with me. Dead end. Say it again dead end. Nobody likes a dead end. But my sin problem places me in a hopeless position. I cannot understand God's grace unless I understand my hopeless predicament, my impossible predicament. Let's take a look here at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Notice what it says here. I've underlined a bunch of these words. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Take another look at those underlined words. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. Why? Because we're following the ways of the world and its ruler, Satan. And we're living to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. And as a result, we're deserving of God's wrath. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 say, All have sinned, and the wage of sin is death. And later Paul says, the soul that sins is the one that should die. We have a hopeless situation. Our predicament is hopeless. We're facing a dead end. We deserve God's wrath. I think of a couple stories in the Bible that are so picturesque and really portray the grace of God in in a powerful way. Remember the story of Barabbas, Pilate, brings Barabbas and Jesus before the mob and says, okay, at this time of the year, I can release one of these to to you, and the other one will be crucified. 
And so there's Barabbas, the insurrectionist, the murderer, the one that deserved to die, the one that deserved to be crucified. And then you have Jesus, the innocent one who was falsely accused and, and uh, uh, put up for execution. And he says, which one? Fully understanding and believing they would say Jesus, release Jesus. But they said crucify Jesus, release Barabbas. I've always kind of stopped the frame on that picture in my own heart and mind and just really personalized it a moment because Jesus did for Barabbas what Jesus did for me. He took Barabbas' place. He took my place. He stepped up and in essence, he was the one that was crucified. Barabbas was set free. Barabbas could have turned to Jesus Christ and served him from that moment on. And, you know, Scripture's a little bit vague on, on what happened to him. But, but the point is, Jesus took upon him the punishment that Barabbas deserved. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. I think of the story of the woman in John chapter 8, where she was caught in the act of adultery and she was pulled and mercilessly thrown at the feet of Jesus. And, and the religious leader said, this woman right here, this woman has committed this evil deed and she deserves to be stoned to death. What do you say trying to get Jesus in a pickle? And I picture in my mind that Jesus stepped between that woman who was behind her and the mob in front of him. And he said, you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. Jesus defended her. Jesus mediated between them and her. Jesus stepped in the middle and basically saved her. That's what he's done for you and me. We are not going to understand the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ until we understand the depth of our depravity. And we're not going to understand the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ until we understand the height of our deliverance. And that's what I want us to look at next. Can you say deliverance with me? Deliverance. Say it again. Deliverance. Only Jesus can solve my sin problem. Look at verse number four. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. This is the second thing I want us to think about as we think about the grace of God, the depth of our depravity and then the height of our deliverance. That's grace. Notice the words that I underlined. Because of his great love, verse 4, God who is rich in mercy, he's made us alive in Christ, verse 5. It is by grace, God's grace, that you're saved, only because of his grace. God raised us up. We're seated with him, verse 6. Because of the riches of his grace, verse 7. Because of his kindness to us, verse 7. Paul is reminding us we do not have to live in our sin. We do not have to live in a dead end. We can be set free. We can be forgiven. We can be delivered. Can I hear a big amen out there? God's grace. Within the sound of my voice, I know for sure that there are people who need to commit their life to Jesus Christ. You need to say yes to Jesus you need to pray a prayer I prayed many years ago and many have prayed, Lord, come into my life, forgive me my sin. I want to follow you. 
There are people within the sound of my voice here today that if you were true with yourself, you're basically saying no to Jesus. But today you need to say yes. And you need to say, Lord, from this point on, I'm going to leave my life of compromise. Maybe you accepted Christ in the past, but you're living a life of compromise right now. And those bad decisions are determining a direction that's going to lead to a bad destination. And today, today is your opportunity to repent and to return and to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And I invite you to do so right here, right now. Say no to sin, say no to sin, say no to compromise, and say yes to Jesus Christ, your deliverer. Don't say no anymore. You see, the Bible teaches us that our failures are not fatal, our flub-ups are not final, and our future is not futile. Commit to Christ. Break free from compromise. Max Lucado said, there's a tug of war with Satan for your soul. Are you going to say yes to Satan or yes to Jesus? That's the choice. You can't do both. And you can't be indifferent. There's no middle ground. Christianity takes all of you, the whole of you, and it's time to commit your all to him. What I know to be true is sin will consume you. It will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will bury you deeper than you ever thought possible. Say no to sin. Say no to Satan. Say yes to Jesus. Thank him for his deliverance. Decisions determine direction. And direction determines destiny. The most important decision you and I can make in our entire life is to say to yes to Jesus, to receive his grace by putting our faith in him and believing in him as our eternal Lord and Savior. That leads me to the final point. Because of Jesus, we can have the hope of heaven and everlasting life. That's destiny. Can you say destiny? Say it with me. Destiny. What trajectory are you are? Where are you heading? What, what direction are you moving? God wants to be moving in his direction that will result in his destiny. Look at, again, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, the words we read at the very beginning. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved. Notice what it says here. We are saved by grace. God made the first move. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Now it's up to you and me to make the second move. We need to receive what he did by faith. It is by grace through faith. Faith is believing and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for everlasting life. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. God has given this gift. His name is Jesus. He said if you receive him, you can have your sins forgiven and you will be on your way to heaven. When we understand the depths of our despair and the height of his deliverance and the, and the length of our destiny and purpose in Christ, we begin and only then begin to understand the vast love he has for us. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, sinners, Christ died for us. While we were hating him, while we were forsaking him, he died for us. 
There's a common message that I see over and over and over and over and over and over and over in Scripture. And it has three prongs to it. God loves you. God forgives you. And God welcomes you home. God loves you, God forgives you, and God welcomes you home. And I don't know where you are today in your life, where you are spiritually. Maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're living a life of compromise. Maybe you're, you're trying to dabble with a little spirituality here and there, but you're really not all in. I want to remind you with the most powerful promise of all the world, and it's found in Scripture. God loves you, God forgives you, and God welcomes you home. It's all over the Bible. The woman in John chapter eight we talked about earlier. Paul on the road to Damascus, Zacchaeus, David and his problems with Bathsheba and and killing Uriah. And we could go on and on and on, but probably my favorite story, my favorite story in the Bible is a story that Jesus told. And the picture Jesus painted to communicate the heart of the Father the love of the Father, the compassion of our Heavenly Father. And it's a story we often refer to as the story of the prodigal son, but really it's better labeled the story of our Heavenly Father's heart, a heart of love. For those of you that don't remember the story or maybe have never read it, Jesus paints a picture. He tells a story of of a, of a son who lived with a, a wealthy father and landowner and farmer, and he says to his dad one day, hey, I want my inheritance early. I want to go and do my own thing. And so the Bible says that, and Jesus tells a story, he goes and he, he spends his money on riotous living. He spends it, you know, foolishly, and he finds himself, after a little bit of time, penniless and homeless, and living with the hogs, literally. He's living with the pigs, That's where he's living. That's the food he's eating. He's eating their food. And he finally comes to his senses and says, man, even back home, the servants at my dad's estate have it much better than me. I'm going to go back and maybe he'll let me be a servant. And Jesus tells the story. And he tells the story of the father who's looking for his son every single day. Hoping he'll come back. Hoping he'll return. And he sees his son in the distance and he runs to him. And Jewish fathers didn't act with this emotion, but Jesus tells his story in this way. He sees his son and he wraps his arms around him and he hugs him and he kisses his neck and he shouts back, Kill the fatted calf. My son who was dead, he is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. And he put the royal robe on him. He put the signet ring on him. And he celebrated the son who was dead, who now is alive. God loves you. God forgives you. And God will welcome you home. And now it's your move. Don't disgrace his grace. Don't fumble his grace. Don't ignore his grace. Don't be indifferent to his grace. God loves you. God will forgive you. And he will welcome you home. We're going to celebrate communion in a moment, but I want you just to bow your hearts and heads in prayer for a moment.
If you're here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus offers you the hope of everlasting life. He forgives you of your sin. He offers you his grace. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to enjoy the hope of everlasting life. But you need to choose him. You need to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you've known the Lord in the past, but you've kind of turned away. But today you know you need to return. You need to turn back to Jesus. You need to recommit. You need to repent and recommit your life to Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Rob, today I want to commit my life to Christ or I want to recommit my life to Christ, I want you just to raise your hand all over this place. There's no greater decision in all the world that you can make than to commit your life to Christ and to receive his grace all over this place. If you're listening online, do it online. Today, Pastor Rob, I am living a life of compromise and I need to return, I need to repent, I need to commit, I need to recommit my life to Jesus. Decisions determine direction. Direction determines destination. Commit your life to Jesus. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, it's really as easy as ABC. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need his grace and his forgiveness. You need to believe that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And you need to commit, you need to commit your life from this point on to follow him, to obey him, to be a disciple, a learner, a follower. Lord, I pray for everybody within the sound of my voice that people will say yes to Jesus. No longer say no, but say yes to Jesus. To say yes to his grace. To choose to commit to him today. To decide to completely trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm going to invite the ushers to bring the communion emblems down. If you did not get served a communion packet, would you just raise your hand and uh, they'll serve you. Many of you received it on the way in, but just raise your hand and they'll serve you. The worship team's coming and we're going to sing a closing song. It's an old hymn, Grace Greater Than All of Our Sin. It's a song that Christians have been singing for over 100 years as they celebrate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in this first verse and then the chorus, and then we're going to take communion together. The words are going to be on the screen. Let's go ahead and let's sing it together. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount, how poured There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that is greater than all our sins. Hold in your hand the communion emblems. And we're going to keep the chapel and, of course, online, everybody together as we 
continue to worship and think about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, for over 100 years, people, Christians, followers, have sang the words that we just sang. They've thought deeply about the grace of Jesus Christ and what the grace of God means to them. And I'm asking you to join me in doing that, not only today, but every day this week and from this day forward, to think about God's grace, to celebrate God's grace, to be grateful for God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because of his mercy, we don't get what we do deserve, but because of his grace, we get what we don't deserve. Compassion and love, the Father's love. As you recommit, I want to ask all of us to recommit our life to Jesus right here and now. As you say yes to Jesus, Lord, I am going to trust you and follow you with all my heart for the rest of my days. Pray that prayer, would you? And take the bread with me. Let's take it together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The bread represents his broken body, beaten, crucified on the cross for us. And the juice represents his blood that was spilled for our salvation. As you take the cup, would you take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for the grace you displayed on the cross for me. You took my place. You were my mediator. You mediated between me. You took care of my sins on that cross. Let's commit ourselves to living fully devoted lives for Jesus as we take the cup. Let's take it together. Let's sing verse 2, shall we? Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than infinite matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe you that are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace God I want us to have a special prayer time. The chapel tradition is going to stay with us for a little bit longer, as well as everybody online. 
those in the main service here, I want you to stand with me and I want to invite our prayer team to come to the front. Please stay with me for just a moment. If you raised your hand and committed your life to Christ or recommitted your life to Christ today, before you leave, I want you to come and just pray with one of these members of our prayer team and just say, hey, I committed or recommitted my life to Christ. Uh, Let them rejoice with you. Let them pray for God's strength and God's blessing over your life. But I want to ask us one more thing. How many here in this service, as well as in the chapel, as well as online, how many would raise your hand and say, I have someone very close to me, a family member, someone I love very dearly, that is not experiencing God's grace. They're not walking with Christ. They don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Ask God to lay someone on your heart that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe it's in your friend group, a neighbor, work associate. Before we close, I want to just ask, I want to ask you to do one more thing. I want you to take a step of faith on behalf of that person you're thinking of. And I want you to step to an aisle. I want you to come to the front and I want you to stand in for them as a step of faith. I want you just to come and Jesus represented all of us. I want you now to stand in for that person as just a step of faith saying, Lord, I'm praying for so-and-so, whoever that might be. I'm gonna ask you to do that right now. In fact, in the chapel, I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. It's kind of crowded over there. But go ahead and step to an aisle, step to the front if you can. Maybe you're thinking of a grandchild, grandson, granddaughter, whoever it may be. I want to just invite you, if there's someone you know, someone that's in your family that doesn't know Jesus, I want you to take a step of faith. There's nothing more important in all the world to me and to this church than trying to find ways, believing, praying, reaching out, building ministry to help more people find Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I want you to step out. Go ahead and come on forward. I want to have a special prayer over each and every one of you as we close this service in just about 60 seconds. Go ahead and step out. Press in toward the front here. You're standing in for someone who does not yet know Jesus, but our prayer today is that they will come to find Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they will come to know his grace and they will trust in Jesus and follow Jesus fully for the rest of their lives. Lift your hands all over this place, friends, and let's just believe in a Christ who loves us. Let's believe in the Father's heart, a heart that loves and says, I love you, I forgive you, I welcome you home. Each and every one of us and those we're praying for our sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the Almighty. And Jesus is saying, I love you, I forgive you, and I welcome you home in the chapel, here in the main service. And if you're at home watching, I invite you to stand, to raise your hand as you step up and stand up in faith for someone that you are believing and trusting will come to faith in Christ. Now, Lord, as we close this service, we pray together as a church family. We pray for one another and we pray, Lord, for all those that we are representing here with an upraised hand or by standing in for them. And God, we pray that there will be a powerful, powerful thing that happens, that many, many people come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, there are so many that are living beneath 
they're privileged because they have not said yes. They have not said yes to Jesus. And in effect, they're saying no. Maybe they don't even know that, but they're saying no. And God, I pray that you will move by your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of the people that are represented by a hand or somebody standing in. And God, we pray that somehow, some way, their hearts will melt, their hearts will yield, their hearts will submit, and they will come to a place where they will say yes to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Time is short. Time is serious. Life is serious. And God, we pray with all that is within us that our lost loved ones will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Moms and dads, sons and daughters, grandchildren, friends, work associates, the list goes on. By your Holy Spirit, God, convict of sin. By your Holy Spirit, convert hearts. Change people's lives. We take a step of faith here today, Lord. I thank you for each one that has stepped out. God, I just pray, God, that you'll give them a burning desire to pray like never before for that person they're standing in for. God, give us a holy conviction to pray like we have never prayed for the salvation of each and every one of these people you've laid on our heart. God, may we not stop until they come to a place of full devotion in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for everybody in the chapel that's standing in and standing up for someone. I thank you for everybody here in the main service. I thank you for everybody that's listening in at home or will this week. God, we pray you'll give us the faith to believe for many, many conversions. And we pray it, Lord, in your precious name. May this be an incredible fall in our church as, as we reach out and invite people to come to church. May many of them say yes, and then may they say yes to Jesus. And we pray it with all that is within us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask Danny to lead us in that chorus one more time, and that will be our conclusion here. Pastors will close in the chapel and also online. Let's sing it one more time and then we'll be concluding. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater. welcome to stay and pray a little longer, but we are dismissed. Thank you, everybody. May God richly bless you. Amen.